0: Hi everyone, and thank you for listening to the Girls Who VC podcast. Girls Who VC is the first organization dedicated to bringing young women into venture capital. My name is Isabella Mandis, and I'm the founder and CEO of Girls Who VC. On this episode, we welcome Lama Sile, who talks about her experiences working with different startups at HTT Pool. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much, Lama, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Super happy to have you here. Yeah, happy to be here. I was wondering if we could start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself and your background.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I'm uh, based in Baltics, uh, still based in Baltics, looking at uh, opportunities abroad within the next few years. But uh, uh, currently, I'm the startup partnership manager at HDD Pool that uh, represents all the major social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and so on. Uh, in emerging markets, so we're in about uh, 90 countries currently. And my other big, uh, big role includes being a board member at TechJal, that is the leading technology startup event in Baltics. And uh, and then I do a lot of uh, random community projects just to work with uh, work with youth to bring more talent into the tech industry, and to to also work with early stage startups that we have uh, in the region. Yeah, that's, that's uh, kind of everything currently.
0: Awesome. Thank you for that background. Starting a little earlier in your career, you worked your way up at Chill, the main tech and startup event in the Baltics from volunteer to manager to COO to now board member. I was wondering if you could talk about what you learned
1: from these experiences. There were so, so many learnings. <laughs> I think that the the very first thing that I learned and that I think is very, very valuable for people who are just coming into the industry is that if you're really, really passionate about something, regardless if you have experience or any knowledge of that, uh, go follow that passion. Um, because when I pitched myself to Tech Chill, I had been a volunteer and I was actually applying to be a team lead. Um, but they were they were having some uh, some vacancies uh, at the time, and I just pitched myself like, "Hey, I really, really, I love startup world. I really, really love what you do." And I barely knew what a startup was at that time. But they hired me, and uh, and yeah, now I'm the first board member who comes from volunteers. Who's not like a founder. So I th- I always say this uh, remind this story to the volunteers, also who we have coming in that if you're really passionate about something just just go and do it. I think that's that's like the my my most like sweetest <laughs> learning.
0: I love that advice and definitely agree with that. I kind of just dived into different things even if I didn't know the most in the room, but you're yeah. able to learn and grow from that. Could you talk a little bit more about what your different roles were and what you were doing in each of these positions?
1: Yes, so I had I had so many roles. And uh, it's probably good to disclose that we are a very, very small team. That's why we also try to promote people throughout the seasons. So so that they do have this kind of acceleration within their career, and then they can move along to to different companies. And so I started, I was a volunteer, then I joined as a project manager, very, very quickly moved to be a partnership manager, because that was initially what I did before work with B2B clients. Uh, then I think I was operations lead, then COO, and now the board member. So, but basically throughout all of these things, uh, I still did everything when I was a volunteer and when I was like now a board member. Uh, But mainly I was the person who tried to get to both speakers and partners. So for me, still reflecting back to this like passion uh, about startups, I wasn't really scared to approach the biggest executives in the world just via LinkedIn message to say, like, hey, do you want to come to this you know random event at a country you've probably never heard about? Uh, like I was that person who just just wanted to to bring these people here because I really believed in what we did. So I think throughout all of these roles, I I was just the, like kind of the partnership person. Um, and uh, and then somehow it also moved towards working with students and and just being, being like the connector of sharing my journey every step of the way, because I think that when you share your journey, when you are very early on in your career, you still have that connection to the people who are just coming in. And then at the later steps, it's it's not that you you know wait 10 years and then talk to the students <laughs> how you made it back in the day. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of like connecting people and just uh, reaching out to people. That was kind of my thing throughout all of the roles.
0: That's incredible. I love how you just reached out to people. That's also something that I tell people that they should do, but it's really intimidating to reach out to people, but sending people a LinkedIn message. I think people are really open to helping and responding in ways that they can. Something else that you did was the Y Combinator Startup School for future founders. Could you talk about what this is? What experiences you learn and if you'd, who you'd recommend this for?
1: So I think that I'm not sure how they work now. I'm pretty sure they do the same thing that they did when I was a part of uh, when I was a part of a startup school that was like a year or two ago. Uh, basically, it's a program where um, I don't think it's just students. I think it's really anyone who's interested in the field. They can apply. and then you have these modules uh, where you where, for example, you have a week where you learn about pitching or about creating ideas and so on. And it's a program designated for people who want to learn about startups, but who who also needs a nudge. Uh, So you go through all of the processes of how to actually get an idea to start a company. And it's really not the thing that you need a million dollar idea. You just need to have yourself the mindset of creating ideas. And then you go through this process of actually making it work. So you will have these uh, you will have these lectures, you will have these calls, and then you will have practical tasks where you simply have to ask for feedback for ten people. And w- once you do that, you realize how simple it is to actually start these things and that you don't need to wait for for that big grand thing to happen. So I did that, and uh, and it was a really, really valuable experience. So it's completely free. It it was remote. It was during COVID when I did it, um, and it was super super valuable. Even though I've been in the industry for for a couple of years at that point, I just learned the very very basics that you can nudge yourself with these small little tasks. And actually, through the YC network, I met one of the a founder of the, this startup called Clear. Uh, so she her. Her name is Ahana and she just made the Forbes 30 under 30 like Europe's list uh, in technology field. She was at Chill in Riga. She was at Chill in Milan and we met through this Y Combinator program. She was just, she simply developed her pro, uh, her startup idea. I was one of her beta testers at the very, very early stage. And now like three years later, she's, she raised like 1 million funding and she's like this big entrepreneur. So it was I think it's like a super, super valuable program for anyone going into startups just to push yourself. And there are a bunch of success stories that have come out of that.
0: That's incredible. I love that. You founded Techie Foundation, which is dedicated to business and technology, alternative education. Could you talk a bit about this and what you learned from starting something of your own?
1: I started it in a time when I was kind of in between jobs, because when COVID happened, then obviously a lot of startup uh, supported organizations uh, had to make cuts and had to just reinvent themselves, what they do and how they make money. So I was in between jobs at that point, and I was still super passionate about startups. And I wanted to share all the experience that I had got from, uh, from my first season at Tech Show. And I just wanted to express myself somewhere, uh, so I created this uh, this foundation that really just simplifies what the startup industry looks like, what technology is about. A lot of people still think that technology is about IT and nothing else. And it's really not the case or that startups is just about, you know, this mysterious thing where you have to be like a shark entrepreneur or whatever. So I I started this platform just to put any, any projects, any ideas, anything under that umbrella and... And now it's kind of like I did the, so there was a podcast and there was like a platform. Uh, But once I joined the, once I joined a full-time job again, it kind of got uh, just tossed to the side because it it is a really big commitment to start your own project, to start developing something, as I think you know. Um, So it was kind of put on the side and I I chose to do just one thing that is a podcast. Um, But yeah, I think that, Throughout the next few years, I might return and, and create something, uh, something again, maybe under a different name, because I realized that Techie Foundation is really bad for search engine, <laughs> that you just can't find anything. Um, but yeah, it, it was basically just to unite people who just, who just simply wants to learn and, and who really needs that, uh, that extra information about the industry.
0: That's incredible. I love how you're also tying in accessibility and education and trying to teach people about technology. You're now a Startup Partnerships Manager at HTT Pool. Can you talk about what
1: this job entails? Uh, so I mentioned a little about what HTPool Pool does, um, but basically I don't work with social media platforms myself. I'm, uh, I work with startups. And the main reason why I even have this job is because our company – we are technically a corporate kind of company. we because we have like I think around 2,000 people in HTTP pool and then our holding company has like 10,000 people. Uh, but we work like a startup in a culture wise. so and we also like startups. people who are involved in uh, in really any roles within the company they just they just love to work with startups and they want to be more involved. And what the company has realized is that, it's way too late to approach startups when they actually have advertising budget um, because they are at like, I wouldn't say late stage, but they are like pretty far along. So they realize that they are doing so much and that they need to kind of build some kind of a community or some kind of platform to meet these startups at the very early stage and actually help them get to the point where where we can involve platforms and our account managers and so on. So, my role is basically hosting events, hosting initiatives, supporting a lot of initiatives and building this community uh, for founders uh, all over the world as we are all over the world. Um, we have offices. And, uh, and yeah, it's, uh, it's been, uh, it's been a fun ride. We actually just, uh, agreed upon a cooperation, actually just like a launched a cooperation with Riga Tech Girls, where we are supporting female founder lunch uh, every month for the rest of the year. So I get to do all of these fun projects to just get more founders into the game and get them further along and then uh, give them away to <laughs> to our people who manage them to, to scale them digitally.
0: Well, that's so incredible. What insights have you gained from working with so many different startups?
1: I think there are so many. Well, first is that you have to move fast because if you if you made a startup within 6 months, they can be a super huge company, they can have a, or they can have a completely different product or they can not be around anymore or <laughs> there can be another startup, right? So, you have to move really really quick. You, there's no time to build some kind of fancy strategies or to evaluate things. You just have to be there. And another thing is that what I've personally seen is that regardless of the startup idea itself, I think that the founder and the founding team is the most important part of the startup. And that if the founder has that, I like to say the spark, then you're you're just completely sure that you can invest in that company or you can invest in that that founder even if they're going to fail their first second third startup or whatever they're going to build something great because they have that passion that others don't and once you go and build things from from this point of view of having a passion for truly tackling some some important problem not just going into the market because there's you know potential to earn money I think that's that's like super important and these founders who have this passion and spark if they also can build a good culture within the company that's like you know that that's like a dream come true for for finding a, a really good founder so I think that to tie this whole up to tie this uh everything up it's just I've learned that it's not about the business or the business model itself. It's more about the people and the founders and the, the company, uh, culture, people that truly matters. Yeah. I love those insights. Expanding that
0: to the Baltics generally, what would you say the venture and entrepreneur
1: space looks like? I think that there is a lot of potential in Baltics. Um, to be very, very truthful and transparent, I think that we we are moving kind of slow because there, there is very limited um, government support uh, within the Baltics. And I think it's completely different in, for example, Estonia that has, I think they have the most unicorns per capita or something like that. They have like 12 unicorns and they're under 2 million in population. I don't know, like one point something. Um, but in Latvia, uh, where I'm based, we really, really struggle with with government support. And, and this kind of connects to a lot of startup support organizations, like co-working spaces, like events. And we just simply can't help our startups. And that also reflects to a lot of laws where, for example, fintech startups really, really struggle to simply open bank accounts or to just manage all their operations that are needed. So I think that once we get this, I, I wouldn't say settled, but once we get this in some kind of movement, either there are some changes within people who manage these processes, or it's just, you know, a generational change, I think that there's a really, really big potential for Baltics to be one of the like top hubs in Europe, even, because the people here are actually super, super strong within the like the tech skill set. Uh, If you look, uh, for example, at the history of Baltics, we were the first to invent a lot of products that then later took took over the world. You know, like, uh, I I, I don't wanna (laughs) mix up my facts, but there are a bunch of like cameras and jeans even, and and stuff like that. Like Christmas tree first time, you know, was was, uh, not created, but like used as a Christmas tree in Baltics. So there is a lot of potential, but there are also a lot of struggles that we need to solve. But I think that those th- those processes are changing due to the situation in the world right now that we are, we were very, very influenced by kind of this post-Soviet era because we were a part of the Soviet Union. And I think that now we are, as a country and as a nation, we're more brave to be on our own due to everything that's happening in the world. We're realizing that we can't justify a lot of the things that we might have justified before and that we were scared of. So I'm I'm looking forward with a positive mindset for how the startup industry and how the venture capital industry will look like in the next couple of years. But yeah, I would say a lot of potential, but a lot of problems to tackle.
0: How are you staying up to date with the latest trends in the industry and hearing about cool startups?
1: I think this is one of the hardest things ever when you're working with startups, because for me personally, I'm not the person who jumps on all of the media platforms or who you know reads all of the news about startups. I just I don't consume information as, for example, people, of, I would say older people, because they are used to, you know, reading a lot of things. And I think that Gen Zs especially, we need information in a very, very constructed and like very short and you know entertaining manner Um, so what I do I try to go to a lot of events and meetups and and things like that to just be around new startups and just to hear insights from other industry experts Uh, that's kind of like my way of getting all the information and then like, honestly, I am a big big uh, fan of just like headlines. If I see a headline, I will just ask someone, so what's this about? I will not read the article. I will ask people about it. Uh, but yeah, I think that for me, what works best is uh, is just going to events and just talking to people from the industry. Um, But it is probably valuable also to, you know, to subscribe to a bunch of newsletters and just, you know, go through them once in a while. But it can be pretty, pretty hard within the schedules of everyday life.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast and sharing your story and telling us about your experience in the space. Yeah,
1: thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening and supporting Girls Who VC. Make sure to check out our website, girlswhovc.com, and follow us on social media, at girlswhovc. See you next week.